finished up the reach be the difference phase one last week where that that first year the first phase was a financial campaign and we finished that up we encourage those of you that weren't here last week and are still working on that please go ahead and fulfill that pledge but we're not going to talk about that much anymore we will continue to talk about reach once a month because it is going to be ongoing that part of that's going to be ongoing but it's not going to have the same emphasis but from now on, we continue to keep reach open, and that's going to be the way that we are able to do outreach and evangelism and projects of various kinds in order to continue to do the mission. You say, well, I thought that's why I get my tithes and offerings. Well, your tithes and your offerings uh, go to meeting a huge budget that grows every year and is going to continue to grow because we keep intentionally stretching out the tent, and God continues to provide so that those things, the tithes and offerings go to paying the light bill and making sure you have carpet and have staff and things like that. But reach is going to be going, reaching further than what would normally be considered things that are part of a budget. So we ask you to stay involved with that. Last week I finished the message and I asked how many of you would commit to pray with me for the next five weeks. I was thrilled at the response in this place. It was humbling to see so many of you stand up and say, we're going to be early adapters. We're going to get on board with this. And we're going to seek God. Because I know that an enemy is coming against us. And of those of you that had not been around very long, maybe it's your first, second week, whatever. We, as a church, have been in a major storm. We've seen huge victories. We're seeing God do amazing things, but at the same token... And at the same time, the enemy is attacking us on every front and we continue to thrive in spite of it. In fact, we have become more and more resolved even as we go through this storm and this battle. I was thrilled to see you stand to say that we will pray. And it, I believe that the storms that all of us are going through as individuals and corporately have caused us to become tighter and stronger in our faith. The next rung on the ladder that we're going to climb, as I have said, is this second part, which is called the commitment. Our working text for all six weeks of this series comes from Acts chapter 2, hence the title Reach chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. Now, for, uh, verses 38 through 40 last week spoke to the command. Verses 41 to 42 speak to the commitment. Look at verse 41. Those who accepted what Peter said were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to the group. The disciples were devoted. The word devoted means committed. To several things. To the teachings of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What were the commitments that these 3,000, along with the previous converts, because they join up on this day, what, is the, what are those commitments that these 3,000 plus the, previous, the pre previously committed commit to? I'm going to walk you through those this morning. I intend to do that briefly, but we'll see what the Holy Spirit has in mind. The first thing that these people were committed to according to the text that I just read to you was this the Bible says that they were committed to instruction some of the passages that you're reading translation you're reading 
we'll say teachings. Another would, would say doctrine. The word there means doctrine, teachings, or learning. So we would say it is instruction. It is the learning of the word. Or these people were committed to being followers of Jesus. Oh, there's a message to be preached right here. I can't stay here long. But God is looking for new converts that will come to him on more than just an emotional response. A true new convert is a person that makes a 180. And the New Testament translates it this way in God's word. They change the way they think and act. That's what, an old test, what the Old uh, Testament or what King James would call repent. Repent means they change the way they thought and act. There are far too many people that catch, get caught up in an emotional response of some type of a crusade or wherever they might be and get up with a group and go down and shed a tear, but they do not surrender to God as their Lord and Savior. And therefore, they're like the seeds that we heard of in the parable that some get sown in a spot that it don't take and other places when life starts, the birds come and take them and... Weeds choked some of them out. Why is this? Why does that happen? Because some of them did not make a commitment to the decision. It was popular for the moment to say they were a Christian, but they did not sell out to what that means according to the Word of God. There are hundreds of thousands of people in the United States that are attending social clubs this morning all over that call themselves churches. Where even the pastor is not born again. This passage says that these new converts, notice something with me, These new converts got saved and immediately they were committed to learning the word. There's a lot of folks that have been saved five, ten years need to have that commitment to the word. Somebody say amen. They're devoted to this decision. Our commitment needs to be to this same decision. Why are we trying to reach out? Our commitment needs to be to reach because everybody doesn't just need to. They have to know Jesus. They will go to hell without Jesus. There are no other spokes on the wheel leading to a central hub. There is no other name whereby men may be saved but by the name of Jesus. If that is true, and it is, our commitment must be to reach further than we ever have to make sure that everybody gets a chance to know the gospel, which means good news. What they do with it is on them. But it's not fair that they would perish without having an opportunity to have heard it. Our job is not to save anyone Our job is to make sure that everyone hears the good news. Then we will all give an account someday for what we do with that. 
we'll give an account with whether or not we shared it. The scripture says we're going to give an account for every word we speak. Makes you think about some of the words you said this week. We're going to give an account. That's why we're committed to this instruction. Because we have a mandate to preach and to teach and to live out the word of God. At Trinity Fellowship, I don't think we're any different than a lot of others. But I will make this statement. We are committed to the pure teaching of the word. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to dilute it. We're not going to change the parts that we don't like. We're not going to change the parts that are politically incorrect or the parts that don't fit our culture. We do not have the right or the opportunity because I have to, I fight, I fight being sarcastic. I wanted to say because we are not Supreme Court justices. So we don't get to be God. We have to preach. It is not a choice. It's not even a choice. There will be some very soon, very quickly, now that things have gone the way they've gone, there'll be some very quickly that are going to start trying to cause the church to acquiesce to a different type of message. And they will simply say to us when that time comes and get ready, they're, the first thing they're going to try to do probably is pull tax exempt status from churches that won't, that won't go along. And so... Get ready, we're fixing to pay taxes probably. We'll exist as long as Jesus lets us. And I think it's going to be for as long as until he tarries his coming. When he comes and he'll be ready for this, this church is going to exist all the way up until the rapture because it has to be here. So it'll be here no matter what. Enemy may take some of us out. That's up to the Lord. But the church will be here and this church is committed to a pure unadulterated word of God because that's the only thing that is going to set people free. The word of God is the only thing that they can read and get into their spirit that will change their minds, their hearts, their motives. We don't have a choice. They would say to us, well, you have a choice. You don't have to preach that. No, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We can't decide today that we're going to be lax on this or we're going to give up that. We don't have that choice. We have a word and that word is not changed and that word can't change and that word won't change because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. All we can do is preach that word. It is not a choice. Knowing and receiving and applying the Bible to your life will provide you with instruction and equipping and encouragement and the provision that you're going to need in order to live this life and in the next one abundantly. We have to reach the world with this good news. The early church was committed to instruction, and we are too. The second thing they were committed to was fellowship. And you say, we got that one. We're Trinity Fellowship. We like to get together and visit. But that's not what fellowship means. I'm all about that. And I'm thankful to see that you love each other. It goes a lot deeper than that. The word koinonia. It means the sharing of lives. It does not mean we get together once a month at somebody's house and we each bring a dish. That's a wonderful thing. We call those connect groups. We have 22 of them, I'm told. They're all over the place and they're awesome. 
get in one. They're forming again, jump in one. Sign up, get in them. They're great. It is a form of fellowship, but it is not what the word means. The commitment that the New Testament church was making was not to a small group. I'm for it because we all need accountability and we all, I, I think they're awesome. But that's not what the word here means. When we talk about building friendships, finding God, we are talking about building friendships with the purpose of helping them to find God. It's not just a really cool saying that somebody came up with one day at lunch and we said, hey, that's cool, let's put it on everything. It took hours and hours and hours of prayer and meditation and seeking God to say, how can we in a sentence or in a few words express what you're calling us to do? And finally, we hit on it. It was, well, we're here to help people find God. How are we going to do that? They'll do it the best by building relationships. We need support. We need connectivity. We need help. So we're building friendships, finding God. But fellowship is a commitment to sharing in each other's lives. It's a commitment to love and to pray and to bear each other's burdens. That's what the early church was doing. They're, they were involved in the joys and the hardships. It was a hardship being a Christian then. I'm telling you, they were under persecution in many cases, just like we're getting ready to be. And you'll find under persecution how much more we need each other. The commitment that we're making is to get involved in helping each other get through this life and get to heaven. That's the commitment. And guys, we can't just, at this point, we can't just get a few of us together and hole up someplace and eat chips and dip and pray for Jesus to come. We live in Fayetteville. We work in Fayetteville. Our church is in Fayetteville. Fayetteville's agenda is to be something far different than what the Word of God will allow. The day is coming when you'll say the word Trinity Fellowship and it won't be well received. The devil is increasingly beginning to hate our church more and more. He hates us and he wishes every one of us was dead. But God won't let him kill us because of what we're about to do. Open up your circle is what I'm saying to you. Include others. When you're trying to build these connect groups, don't just recruit from people in the church. By all means, get out in Fayetteville and recruit. How do I do that? With my Bible? No, with your smile, with your love, by reaching out and making a difference, by mowing somebody's lawn or taking them groceries or watching their kids or doing something for somebody that seems to be unlovable, something for somebody that seems to be angry, something for somebody that seems to be confused. Reach out to them. Don't judge them. Love them and bring them into your circle. We're committed to fellowship, the sharing of one another's lives, the burden of 
helping us and everyone get to heaven. We're committed to fellowship. I need you to make commitments around here. We go to two services. We're going to need double the volunteers. I need, I need, I need people that will be out in the parking lot. That's one of the most important places we got is in the parking lot. I guarantee you it's the first place that people, the first face they see. I need people out there that have great personalities that are standing out in the parking lot, waving at folks and talking to them, helping them find a place to park. Other people that are going out and getting them and bringing them in and holding a door, helping them get where they're going, getting them to a class. You think, oh, they don't need me to do anything. I need, I need everybody here doing that. Everybody, we could use everybody here doing that. We go to two services for sure. It's, you say, well, it's a sacrifice. I'd have to get here 15 minutes earlier. I'd have to get here 30 minutes earlier. We're going to make a commitment to fellowship. It's a commitment to fellowship. I have something that keeps on going on over and over in my mind. And I believe it's, it, it's, a, it's a word that God has given me. And I continue to think about it because he keeps telling me that we're going to raise up spiritual sons and daughters. And we've been doing it a long time. But he, I'm talking about in mass. And this phrase keeps coming to my mind. I believe that what the Holy Spirit wants to do here is he wants us to be in the business of taking babies and turning them into warriors. And that's going to have to take a commitment on all of our part to fellowship. Your favorite seat this time next month may be gone. Some of y'all are sitting in seats right now that won't even be open on August the 2nd. <laughs> Your parking space is probably not going to be there unless you get here early enough to hold the door. Number three, they're committed to communion. You say, oh, I know what that one is. That's when we do like three or four times a year where we get together and we have the grape juice and those little styrofoam things. <laughs> no, that's not what they're talking about. The breaking of bread would seem to point to that communion, and it's hard to say for sure, but, but by studying this, I think that what it may mean is that they're committed to both communion and sharing meals together. What we would call fellowship on that first word may probably fit better in this one. Getting together and eating dinner, that's what was going on on this word. We, caught, we thought it was fellowship. It was probably really happening under the guise of communion for this reason. You think about this when Jesus at the Last Supper, he, the, we, we, we recognize that passage and we use it so many times when we celebrate communion, the sacrament, which is, which is one of the ordinances of the church. We, we do that and we only do it three or four times a year because we want it to be special. Don't ever want it to become trite. It's a special time every time we have communion here. But in the early church, when the guys got together, they did it as, as a part of the dinner. I mean, they're eating dinner, and Jesus said, hey, hand me that bread. Now, that's not in there. That's the DWR translation. 
hand me that bread. He said, let me peel off a little bit of this. And y'all, he said, let me take a little. Now, all y'all pass that around. He said, here, take this cup. Well, probably everybody had their own cup, don't you reckon? I mean, that's Arkansas, but don't you reckon? Everybody probably had their own cup. But Jesus takes a cup and he says, here, let's fill this one up. So now we're going to pass this one around. I'm going to teach you guys a lesson, he says. And so communion is birthed out of a dinner. The early church then begins to take on that same thing. And their communion services, I think, looked more like that than they do today. Communion today is all of us come together in this kind of a setting. And we have a, 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 a ceremony, perhaps. But in the early church, what was happening was, that's why Paul had to deal with it in some of his instruction. He says, I heard some of y'all getting together and you're having communion and it's just getting out of hand. He said, y'all are make, you're, you're, you're acting like a bunch of gluttons. You remember that? Y'all remember that passage? He said, y'all getting together and you're just making a mess. You're making a mockery out of it. Well, what was going on is they were coming together and they were eating dinner and they were celebrating the Lord's Supper as a part of the meal. So there's a conglomeration going on here that our culture doesn't necessarily understand. But still yet, the point being this. God is saying that those people were committed to remembering the sacrifice of Jesus and sharing their food. And that's the commitment we need to make. It's that simple. Remember the sacrifice of Christ and share meals together. What are we doing? Well, they're making, basically making a commitment to honoring communion and, and, and making a commitment to, to, to intentionally, more frequently share time together. And thereby they're establishing these friendships that are helping others find God. And the last one that they're committed to was prayer. The old theologian Barnes wrote, this was one effect of the influence of the Spirit and an evidence of their change. Listen to this. A genuine revival will always be followed by a love of prayer. How can we defeat our flesh and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus if we don't pray? I'm telling you right now that prayer is hard work. But it is the only way to live the overcoming life. You have to establish a prayer life. There's not a work for the kingdom that you can do that is smarter than prayer. If you don't do anything else, pray. There have been some people that have found that maybe teaching a Sunday school class was easier than being a prayer warrior, so that's what they chose. They can hand me a quarterly and I can read it on the way to church. Poor little third and fourth graders don't know anyway. I had some of those Sunday school teachers growing up. I knew. Prayer is a, is a, is a job. It's a job. A commitment. I'm not just talking about what some of you say. Well, well, I, I get in my car and on the way to work, you know, I turn on the, the KLRC and, and I get me some coffee. And in between my times of phone and texting and all, every once in a while, I'll say God's name, you know, and it makes me feel really good. Or I'll say, hey, God, help all of us today. I hope we have a good lunch. God, I, pr I pray, pray for you to help me today so that I have a really cool day. And God's like, well, what about, you know, the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, about, you know, the important stuff, because I don't really care if you have a good day. I really care. I really care if we have a big day in the kingdom. When are we going to when are we going to talk about that? Well, maybe we'll get to that later. Right now, it's my favorite song. 
I'm talking about these new babies in Christ were committed to prayer. They understood the necessity of prayer. They knew even as babies, they couldn't make it if they didn't have some time with God. Every day. Hmm. How can we go forward if we don't pray? How can we change our world if we don't pray? How can we be effective warriors for Christ if we don't pray? I love this story. I'm about to conclude. John Knox. He was the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. He was on his deathbed. He called his wife and he said, he said, quote, read me that that scripture where I first cast my anchor. And he listened to her read the beautiful prayer of Jesus as recorded in John 17. And they said he seemed to forget his weakness and he began to pray. And they said he started interceding earnestly for his fellow men. He prayed for the ungodly who had thus far rejected the gospel. He pleaded in behalf of people who had been recently converted. He requested protection for the Lord's servants, many of whom were facing persecution. And they said as he prayed, his spirit, while he was praying, his spirit went home to be with the Lord. The man of whom Queen Mary herself had said, I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies. Ministered through prayer until the moment of his death. John Bunyan said, Prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. The early church made a commitment. They said, we're going to pray together. I'm asking you to keep praying. I'm asking the prayer team to keep recruiting. I'm challenging the men of our church to join this prayer team. Join, join this prayer ministry. How are we going to minister to all these people? I love these women that are, that are doing this, that are praying, that are being a part of this team. But I'm going to tell you something. When God begins to send in all of these people, there are going to be men and women that are going to come. And how are these men going to come up to these women and have them pray for them for the things they're going through? There's got to be some men up here that will be committed to joining with these other men. Nothing negative to the ladies. I praise you ladies. I'm so thankful for the work you're doing. I'm just asking some more of our fellows. And there's some doing it. But I'm asking some more of you guys. Will you step up to the challenge and join this team? We need people that are going to commit to stand in the gap and intercede for the souls of this city. And not just that, but for the people in our church. The fire is getting turned up, guys. It is. Days of, if, if you just want to go to church and listen to cool praise and worship and get a, a cool little message on five ways to feed your dog, then you're going to have to find another place to do that because it's not going to happen here. This is a real church. And the devil hates us. We're on his radar, believe that or not. And we need people that are going to pray. The enemy is attempting to break our spirits and force us to become quiet and unnoticeable. But we won't go away because we can't. We don't have a choice, do we? 
God continues to remind us over and over. I don't know how many times he's, he has sent the word to us. that says a mighty renewal is brewing in this place. Not a revival because several people have come to me and said this. They said a revival is something dead coming back to life. They said this is already alive. It's a renewal. It's just getting ready to be just to catch fire and explode. So God is telling us we can't back down and we have to break through. And we do that by prayer. God is calling us to commit The commitment is this, to instruction, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. Who is going to join me in that commitment? I'm not asking you to do anything. I don't want you to sign anything. But I told you every week between now and August 2nd, I'm just going to stand up here and just keep bringing it. I'm going to do it after that too, but just so you know, between now and then, I'm not going to lighten up on this. I'm going, you know, I'm not trying to manipulate you or because I know what this kind of preaching does. It, it, it'll grow a church, but it grows it slow. Is <laughs> what it does is it causes some people who are there to say, I don't like that. I'm going someplace else. But he keeps sending in new people. And of them, Some of them stick and some of them hang around for a little while because I'm going to tell you something. It's hard to come to this place and listen to this praise and worship and not endure me for a few weeks at least. But if you hang on five or six weeks, you're going to either get better or you're going to leave. And I still, I still believe, I still believe that God is going to fill this place up multiple times every week. So that we can reach our city. We're going to keep reaching. Reach chapter 2. We're going to keep reaching. The commitment. That's, the, that's it today. Command and now the commitment. Lord, I ask you to help us. We are challenged. To be committed. I praise you for your word. I'm thankful, God, that it's not a, an easy word all the time. I'm glad that it cuts between the bone and the marrow. I'm glad it does. God, we don't want to be spiritual wimps. We want to be spiritual warriors. I thank you, Lord, that the fight that we're involved in is already won. And I praise you that you continue to commission us to stay focused on the souls, not on those battles. It is our job, God. It's our job to stay involved in the political issues. It's our job to elect Christians to serve. It's our job to stay on top of these things. I understand that. But Lord, predominantly what you want in these last days, this does not surprise you that these things are happening. All of this has to happen. It has to happen to point to your return. Lord, you're coming. It just shows us that, the, that, the, that we're about ready to, to dot the end of the last sentence in the last chapter of the book. Lord, you're just waiting to come and get the church. All these things have to happen. We understand. We've studied the back of the book, Lord. We know. We know what has to happen in this nation. We understand what has to happen in this world. We know about a great revival that's going to come amid great persecution. We know all that, God. 
We're not surprised. We're disappointed. We hate what it's beginning to look like. Lord, it just makes us so excited for heaven. I don't want anybody to miss it, God. So many people are being blinded by the prince of this world. Oh, their eyes have scales. Their hearts are closed. They believed a lie and they are damned. But there's still time right now. Help us, God. Help us not to be afraid to love. That we will not be afraid to love in spite of persecution, in spite of unpopularity. That we will choose to love and reach until you come and get us. We make a commitment. Everybody that makes a commitment, lift your hand. We make a commitment, Lord. We make a commitment just like the early church. We make a commitment. We'll remember this, God. We make a commitment. We may sacrifice. It may be uncomfortable. It may cost us some things that we like. But we make a bigger commitment than ourselves. It's not about me. It's about the greater purpose. And we make a commitment. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to open up the altar again for prayer. Don, if you would do me a favor, the, the, the fellows who were going to service today, just as a help to people as they're leaving, maybe you can station them at the doors and as people go by, if they want to do something, they can, but we're not going to have an official offering today. I appreciate you guys so much. It just the Holy Spirit didn't let, let us that way today. So when people, as they leave, they can give, if, if you guys can make that happen. But the conclusion of our service today is going to be on this prayer. Some of you are saying, I can't believe that guy's not going to take an offering. Is he not worried about the finances of his church? I'm not worried about the finances of God's church. He wants it to continue. It will, won't it? What I am committed to today is this word, is this vision. I don't expect you to have the same commitment to it that I have. I'm ready to die for it. I mean, that, I, I live it, eat it, breathe it. And I've done it for 22 years, 24 years. So, I mean, I've just, I've asked the Lord. I'm like Simeon in the temple when he saw him bringing in Jesus. After he saw Jesus, he said, okay, now I'm ready to go. I mean, I've got something in my mind that I have to see before I can tell him that. And so I'm, I'm here. I mean, this is it. I get up every day for this. I want to see this city. This is a, this is, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to see this city. It's Nineveh. And we're going to cry out against the city. I want to know who's going to commit to that. So we're going to turn this place into prayer. When you need to leave, you can leave. But please, if you would, would you respect? I want you to visit. Talk to one another. But please, would you do that out in the gathering hall and the hallways? And allow what God is going to do. Because he, he works here every week. He's going to do something in here. And we're going to open ourselves to that. And so I want to open these altars and ask if you would, would you join me? Would you come? Would you spend some time on your knees interceding and seeking God? Can we do that? God bless you. There won't be a formal dismissal this morning. I'm just asking you to come pray with us. When you're done praying, you can leave. God bless you. I appreciate you.